0: So hi, this is Jordana Hochman, and who do I have with me?
1: Um, my name is Ian Burnett, and I am six years old.
0: And what do I do at NPR?
1: Um, you are a, an editor. Uh-huh. Where do
0: I work? Um, it's show. been a minute. Yep, that's right. And so when we're listening to NPR, what kinds of stories do we hear about?
1: Um, I hear about the weather, and I hear about what's new about coronavirus, and if the vaccines are more um, effective.
0: You heard some news about a vaccine?
1: Yeah, Um. the latest I've heard is a vaccine that's 95% effective.
0: That's pretty exciting. Yeah. What has this year been like at um, home with coronavirus? Very,
1: very tough.
0: Like, tell me more.
1: I can't do anything anything really.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things make you happy? Seeing things like that news about a vaccine? Yeah. Yeah, same here. And I learned all kinds of things like that on NPR. We have to, we have to rely on it to get this kind of information. Yeah. And so we think that everybody should be giving to their local station to help support NPR. Yeah. Yeah?
1: Give at donate.npr.org slash Sam. That's donate.npr.org dot org slash Sam. Okay, back to the show.
2: Uh who should say hello first? Yeah. Oh my god, this is weird. It's two hosts. I know. Who's in charge? You're in charge. You're in charge. I'm in, charge. in charge.
3: Well let's see. For like, today's
2: so episode, hard. I teamed up with a friend. This friend also happens to be a podcast host.
3: Hey, Sam Sanders.
2: Hi, Anna Sale. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm really excited to get to work with. It's been a minute.
2: I am really excited to get to work with XX and Money. It is uh, excitement on all sides. <laughs> it's true. Listeners, today we bring you a very special collaboration episode of NPR's It's Been a Minute, a collaboration with WNYC's Death, Sex, and Money. I'm your host, Sam Sanders, and I'll be joined by Death, Sex, and Money host, Anna Sale. Her show, Death, Sex, and Money, it is all about the big questions and hard choices that are often left out in polite conversation. So Anna and I wanted to collaborate because a thing that we've both been wondering about and talking about a lot recently is quarantine pod life. You know, all the ways people have set up living or friendship or relationship arrangements to keep some sort of social or family circle, even through this era of social distancing. Sometimes it's quarantining together. Sometimes it's a group of folks you trust enough to meet up with maybe once a week. All different kinds of arrangements. When we talked the last time, I I asked you, like, is it better to spend quarantine and lockdown potted up with people Or alone and I still can't tell (laughs) because I don't know you've heard this too from all kinds of folks I'm sure that like living with any kind of quarantine pod set up when everything is just the same day in and day out it can be tough either as tough or tougher than like doing this whole year alone
3: yeah yeah I think that's what we discovered when we were on the phone is that we were both kind of jealous of each other (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, because you have your wonderful pod of a family, and I have my Netflix account and You my have dog. your alone time. Oh, my God. Luxurious. So Anna and I, we realized that some people are happy in these pod situations, and some people are not at all. So on this episode, we'll hear from folks who are suffering what I've begun to call pod fatigue. And then if you go over to the Death, Sex, and Money podcast feed, you'll hear Anna talking with some folks on her show, who are actually suffering from pod longing. Here's a peek at those stories.
3: You talk to people who are stuck together. I talked to a woman who is stuck apart from someone she's fallen madly in love with over the last several months. And they have not seen each other in person. They've just talked on How the many phone. months have they
2: not seen each other? It's been
3: months and months and months. They knew each other as young people when they were in high school. They reconnected because she did some detective work while she was home in isolation poking around. And they've fallen in love. And they're actually not that physically far apart from each other. They could meet Wait, up. Wait,
2: how far apart are they? They're
3: just across the San Francisco Bay from each other. This is not an inability oh to get on a plane. They are choosing to wait until they can be fully present with each other and not think about coronavirus.
2: Wow, that's either gonna go really, really well, or it's not, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't wanna ask you to predict how that ends up, Uh, but hearing you say that, it sounds quite beautiful and romantic, but iffy. Iffy. You
3: know how I think about it, it's like no matter what, What a wonderful way to spend these months, you know, like even if it ends up being just a companion that you had over the phone and it doesn't work out uh, in three dimensions.
2: I love it. I love it. Well, your story that you're going to share in your episode about pod life, uh, it's quite romantic. The two that I have to bring to you, to our listeners, are not at all romantic. (laughs) One is this group of friends who have a friend pod uh, and they're worried that they're just being too mean to each other. Mm. They have that really fun, sarcastic sense of humor. Some friend groups do, but they think they've taken it too far and they're worried. And then um, this other pod story. Oh, my God. It is a doozy. I don't want to give away too much for you. Just hear the story. But it involves a dispute over real estate. That's all I'll say.
3: Oh. Mm.
2: Yeah. Drama. Drama. So I think what we should do is let our respective listeners hear these respective stories. And once they hear uh, these pod stories, we're going to come back and chit chat about uh, some insights or big lessons we've learned from talking to these folks. How about that? That sounds good. You're listening to Death, Sex and Money and It's Been a Minute. We'll be right back. What's our acronym? What's our combo acronym, Anna?
3: IBMDSM. Let's see.
2: Do you say? my BAM. my BAM. DSMI BAM.
0: Writer Baratunde Thurston says this democracy experiment requires more than just voting.
2: This is incumbent on all of us. It takes two, right? It takes two to make a thing go right, it <laughs> takes two to knock it out of sight. And both parties, in a national level discourse, both sides have to still remain committed.
0: How to be a good citizen. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR.
2: So I asked listeners to share their pod fatigue stories, stories of being kind of over their COVID bubbles. Here's what one listener told us.
4: Hi, Sam. I saw your tweet, immediately screenshot it, and sent it to my pandemic pod group chat.
2: That is Austin Miller in Albuquerque reading the hilarious email he sent to the show. I'm going to trash talk you hoes,
4: I said. One friend, Claire, encouraged me to email you. My other friend, Ellie, was offended. So naturally, I'm emailing you. Here's the deal. I love these two friends dearly. We've gotten really close, like talking about our bowel movements close. And we've experienced the pandemic protesting in the election together. We've been through a lot since March, but something has happened. We've become bitingly mean to each other. We point out each other's flaws incessantly. Have you gone to therapy yet? Oh, your daddy issues are showing. You look rough today. I guess because we've been together so much, our personalities have been laid bare for all of us to see, but also critique. In the past two weeks, we've had repeated conversations about how we all need to be nicer to each other. And yet, we haven't. We've only descended into meanness even more. Last week, I called Claire a in front of her mother. The week before, I told both of them I dressed for style while they dressed for, quote, comfort. So yes, I love them. But I miss the pre-pandemic days when we were nice to each other and when we encouraged each other instead of calling each other consistently. So maybe this story isn't radio-friendly.
2: Oops. I called up Austin and made him tell me all the drama. So you wrote in about the dynamic of this pod, the three of y'all getting too sarcastic, too mean, too biting. When did the sarcasm and, you know, ribbing start in the friendships? Was it always there and was fun at first and just got mean? Or did it start, I don't know, in the pandemic?
4: For Claire, it started in middle school. Because, you know, (laughs) Ellie and Claire have known each other for like ever. And so they always joke that like Claire was the mean one, Um, which is like kind of true. And I'm also a very sarcastic person. And so I think we've always, you know, the three of us, when we've been together, we've always been um, very sarcastic. Um, but yeah, during the pandemic, it just has become, I don't know, we, I think we've lost social skills um, <laughs> and we've lost our filter and we're just not afraid to like dig in and just say what we think. So I, yeah. think, I think the pandemic just made it worse.
2: Yeah. How does this make you feel personally, the meanness of these relationships?
4: I, so part of me kind of loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's it, like it's fun at times but then there's also times when it's like ooh, that that went too far uh, oh. did we push that a little too much which I think that you know sometimes happens um, and there I, I definitely remember some conversations there was like one night where Claire was like we need to be nice to each other um, and you know both Ellie and I were like yeah this is true we, we should be nicer and yet we haven't really done that <laughs>
2: Yeah. What was said? Like, what's the meanest thing your pod mates have said about you? Um, the worst insult? I don't know. I feel like I'm dishing it out a lot. Oh. What's the worst one that you've thrown out?
4: What's the worst one? Um, I don't know. It's uh, we, we do sometimes harp on Ellie's career choices. Um, right now, I would describe her as an unemployed dog lover. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, this week, we were together... And Claire and I were
2: yelling at Ellie to file for unemployment. And she was like, fine, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. Have other friends or family noticed? And what do they say about this tenor of the relationships?
4: Oh, um, I mean, obviously, so like my boyfriend has noticed he will join in. <laughs> um, we were around um, Claire's parents. Uh, and Claire's mother uh, said something about a hypothetical wedding for Ellie and, quote, um 8 to 10 years which Ellie took. Uh like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to get married for like 10 years. Um so family members I think partake in it. Um you know the the meanness that we have. So yeah.
2: You know, part of me hearing your story says, "Oh, this is a problem. They got to fix it." But the other part of me hearing your story says, "Well, they acknowledge this reality." they've kind of talked about it. Maybe this is just the way their friend group is. Like, is there a version of reality in which y'all just say, this is the way we are? And maybe you set some guardrails, some parameters, I don't know, a safe word to let everyone know to stop making (laughs) fun of you. But I'm not convinced yet hearing you talk to me that snark and sarcasm and what y'all are doing is entirely wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah yeah
4: so i like the idea of a safe word Uh, i'm gonna have to mention that to them
2: and it could just be stop (laughs) like yeah
4: Yeah, no, I think there's like in some senses where it's like, oh, this is like 100% dysfunctional. Um, but then I think there's other senses where it's like, no, this has some healthy elements, maybe, hopefully. At least I'm telling myself it has healthy elements. I don't know. I, I think just kind of given the context of where the world is, all three of us, I mean, we all read the news a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's like a way of coping. Um Yeah, we're honest and we're brutal. But also the other night uh, we were together and we were, I don't know, it was kind of like one of those like therapy friend sessions. Um, Oh, tell me about it. Oh, we were just in, we were in um, the hot tub and, you know, like you've had some wine and you're you're talking about, um, you know, like when's the last time we were actually happy, Um, (laughs) you know, and Yeah. uh, yeah, trying to like sort through some of those very like 2020 feelings.
2: Here's what I'm hearing, Um, I think y'all are a pretty good pod and I think y'all love each other and I think y'all have a way of talking to each other that works for y'all and I think sometimes it might go too far but that's the nature of all friendships and so I don't think you should be too alarmed about it. I think it's really important when we think about friendships especially in the context of this year is to know that there's no rule book you know, there's no rule book about the way that a friendship is supposed to be. My diagnosis is, y'all are cool. Yeah. Y'all are cool. Just talk about it out when you need to, but y'all are cool. <laughs> yeah,
4: no, I agree. It's, yeah, we've definitely gotten way closer than I think um, I would have imagined in in January. And some of that closeness is, yeah, it's there isn't a playbook about it. And so it's kind of figuring out. Like what works for us, you know, snark and all. Yeah.
2: I mean, maybe one thing you do is the next time y'all have, you know, hot tub real talk, like as an earnest, genuine exercise, y'all go around the hot tub and just say things you like about the other ones earnestly, yeah, candidly, truthfully, and just kind of love on each other. That's allowed. That's allowed.
4: Yeah, I think we may need that right now
2: (laughs) (laughs) we all do we all do well yeah we'll get through it somehow we'll get through it the only way to get through it is to get through it which we all are doing so austin i thank you for that email it was a good laugh (laughs) and i thank you for this chat yeah i am thinking fondly of your pod and wishing the three of y'all the best
4: thank you so much uh it was really great to talk to you this was a highlight of my week
2: oh my goodness same here same here awesome thanks sam Thanks again to Austin Miller, and thanks to your friends Claire and Ellie. I think I like y'all. I seriously think y'all have this pod thing figured out. All right, coming up, more pod friendship drama.
4: Hey there, I'm Andrea Gutierrez. I'm a producer on It's Been a Minute. And before we get back to the show... Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to, if you appreciate how NPR has kept you informed in this bonkers year, please support the show and NPR by giving to your local station. To give, go to donate.npr.org Sam. That's donate.npr.org Sam. All right. Back to the show.
2: All right. Another story of pot fatigue. This one comes from Caitlin Morgan. She lives in Burlington, Vermont.
5: Hi, Sam. I spent most of May through August potted with a good friend. My pod partner was someone I could share a workday with and who was following similar quarantine rules.
2: At the time, Vermont had pretty low COVID numbers. So Caitlin's pod went beyond her household.
5: Everyone in this sort of chain could have one person outside their household that they were allowed to see. So my husband saw his brother. I saw my friend. She was in a, like, in a household with her girlfriend and a couple roommates, and each of them were allowed to see one uh, friend.
2: I know it sounds complicated, but it worked for them. So, in the midst of pandemic, Caitlin and her husband decided to buy a house. But the housing market in their neighborhood in Vermont, it's been pretty tight. So they were looking and looking and then they find their dream home.
5: It was beautiful. It was like in really good shape. It had a fireplace, it had like a beautiful bathroom, had wood floors, it had a little yard.
2: Caitlin and her husband quickly put in an offer on this house, but then...
5: What happens next is I texted my friend, and my pod partner, and she said that she had also just put an offer in on the house.
2: Y'all, it got messy.
5: A whole host of other simmering differences between us rose their ugly heads and I had to sort through the ways in which we felt incompatible despite a years-long friendship.
2: It could have ended right there, but Caitlin had to know one more thing.
5: Pretty soon afterwards, my husband called her and found out that she had offered more than we had. And
2: so... Why didn't you call her? That's your friend?
5: <laughs> um, great question. <laughs> I was I was crying and having an anxiety attack.
2: <laughs> oh, no, Caitlin. I feel so bad for this experience for you. Oh, my God. Oi.
5: Thanks. I'm not sort of proud of how dramatic it was for me, but it was. It just came over me like a wave.
2: Um, It's okay. Listen, it's okay. In 2020, all emotions are allowed. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) So your husband calls. What's that phone call like?
5: He pretty much just said to her, you know, like, listen, Caitlin is a wreck. I don't know that it would be the best thing for her to wait until tomorrow to find out. Do you mind just telling me what you offered on the house so that we can just know if there's even any shot for us at this point Um, because now that we know that there really might not be and in such a personal way Mm -hmm. having half the information is worse than having all of it yeah and she very transparently and generously told him what she'd offered and it was more than we had and at that point we felt like how much more (laughs) oh quite a bit
2: okay (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) I got yeah. you. Go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead.
5: Um, <laughs> and, like, with, I think, sort of much more generous terms to the realtor and all these kinds of things I've had to learn about uh, looking for houses recently. And,
2: and so, then w- what happens to the house ultimately? Who like who got the house? Did she get the house? Did someone else get the house? She got the house. Yeah. Oy. I know. <laughs> has she moved in?
5: She has. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, my. How are you feeling about that?
5: Um,. I feel a lot better than I did when this happened, which was in August,
0: Okay,
5: but it's still, it's still a little hard for me to imagine, you know, because to say that you'll give somebody so much money, you have to kind of imagine how worth it, it might be for you. And so like, I had to imagine living in this house and would I be happy there? Would my husband and I both be happy there? What would it be like? And so I had... This whole fantasy world, which admittedly only lasted for two days, but it became a little bit real. Oh no! I, uh,
2: totally. Did this whole house situation break up your pod?
5: Yeah, it did.
2: I'm interested in how pod breakups work. Does there have to be a group text or a group email? Does it go through the grapevine? Like, how does the the art of the pod breakup happen? Or do you just like ghost the pod person who stole your house from you? I don't know. Work. <laughs> <laughs> I did
5: not ghost her. We had okay, some conversation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think in this case, because we were sort of like that center point, it was really just communication between the two of us. So she and I have talked since then.
2: How's that been?
5: Well, it's been good, except for it's also hard to sort of repair the relationship because of what's happening. So in terms of COVID, the rupture in the friendship would not have been nearly as bad in a normal year, because there just would have been so much more space around the friendship and the dynamic and so many other outlets.
2: Yeah. In the email you wrote to the show, you said that the issue of the house and being outbid for the house, it brought up some other issues in your friendship with this pod mate. What issues, if you're comfortable sharing?
5: Um, it kind of brought up some memories I had of times I had felt hurt or sort of out of sync. Which I know sounds a little vague, but I also, want, I'm trying to be honest about my experience and also respectful to sort of her privacy. Yeah, yeah. But just like a few times in our friendship when we haven't agreed or we haven't connected really well, it was definitely a surprise to me to sort of all of a sudden be sitting with all of the things about the friendship that I needed to sort through for myself as opposed to just this one seemingly outside force kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Did it catch her did it catch her off guard when you were like, this is this has to end because of the house thing?
5: I think so. I think she felt like it was a really extreme reaction to one circumstance.
2: Do you think it was an extreme reaction?
5: I do. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. I think it was sort of like the most extreme action I could have probably taken. But at the time, I mean, I was also going through an intense time at work, finishing up my degree. And I had all of these emotions and kind of no way to sort of sort them out on my own because she was my whole social world in a way.
3: Yeah.
2: I
5: thought about it a lot and I, I just couldn't think of something that would be less extreme, but also true to where I was. Do you miss her? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in moments, I definitely do.
2: Yeah. Can yeah. I, I know you're not asking me for advice, but can I offer you some feedback?
5: Yeah, thanks for asking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think you should consider removing the situation of the house from the question of your friend's friendship. I think that they're two different things. And I think that there might be issues that you had in the friendship and the way that y'all were treating each other that are valid and worth talking out. But I think that's separate and apart from her outbidding you on this house. It seems like there were no rules that were formalized enough to keep her from bidding on a house that she wanted to bid on. And from all you've said to me, it seems as if she didn't bid on this house with nefarious, malicious intent to hurt you.
5: That's definitely true.
2: And just me on the outside looking in, and I'm not the expert on friendship. (laughs) I'd say, don't hold that house thing over her. That friendship is hard to build and to maintain, especially as we get older. And we're going to be in this moment of lockdown for a long time, where it's going to be hard to make new friends. And if there is a way where you can let that pain about the house live separate and apart from your friendship with this woman, I would recommend to you to just maybe try to let her back in. I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a licensed mental health professional. I am not even that good at friendship. But I feel like maybe this friend deserves a second chance.
5: I think that's excellent advice. At this point, it's sort of just how to...
2: How to do it. How to do it. Well, you, know? you could I just think let we... her hear this show. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, she's going to because I call... <laughs> Well, because I called her and I was like, hey, so I know we're in a slightly weird place, but I also have to tell you something else really weird, which is that I'm going to be interviewed about it on national radio.
2: (laughs) So this is the part where we like have her come out on stage. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not that kind of daytime TV show. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden her voice just pops up. (laughs) She was listening the whole time. That would be hilarious. That would. Yeah. Has this whole ordeal taught you anything, a lesson about yourself or about friendship or about some kind of wisdom you've gleaned from this that you could share with our listeners?
5: Yeah, I think for me personally, the thing I've been thinking about just in general with the pandemic and relationships is, I think like the conventional wisdom right now that I hear bounced around about marriages is, is you can't expect your spouse to be all things for you.
2: You know? Yeah. Yeah.
5: But that's kind of what I was asking of a friendship in a way is that for my friend to kind of stand in for all the different kinds of friendships that I might normally rely on. Mm. You know, it's not totally fair to our relationships to put so much on them and I think if you're in my situation things become kind of more brittle than they mm. should be or really are in in an <laughs> in yeah. an alternate reality where this isn't all happening.
2: Yeah. Well, I do think that you should be proud of yourself for this self-reflection. There are a lot of folks that get into arguments or disputes and never really think back on what really was going on. So you doing this in front of a national radio (laughs) audience—you (laughs) know—that is—it speaks good of you, right?
5: Well, it's not my best look, so I guess everyone gets to just
2: (laughs) (laughs) no. I think listen. If if this is the worst thing you did in pandemic year, you're fine. You are fine. Thanks again to Caitlin Morgan for sharing her story with us. Before we end this episode, I'm going to bring back Death, Sex, and Money host Anna Sale to share some insights. So based on these stories of pods and pod fatigue and pod longing, has this inspired you to do anything different with your pod? Expand it? Make it smaller? Make some new rules for it?
3: You know, I have been thinking a lot about, like, What the rhythm of just the really, like really wanting to make sure I think through some uh, targeted, strategically chosen hangout time with people who are not my immediate family. Even if it's a walk outside, I live in California in the Bay Area. I can go outside with a mask on, have a walk with a friend who's not a part of my immediate pod all the time, and just have a little bit of a, somewhere to let off steam just just a little release valve totally. a release valve yeah how yeah. about you
2: oh gosh my my big lesson from these pod fatigue stories that I had was probably that I should be much more grateful for my dog mm. because she never talks back <laughs> <laughs> she's just the best friend anybody could have and yeah I think that after this is all over when we're in the after times, I will think about being more intentional about connecting and staying connected with the friend groups I already have. Like, how can I communicate better with them? How can I be a better friend to them? Because, like, pod life is not a thing that's just happening in this year. The pods are different in this year, but we always have circles and groups of friends and family, and we can be thinking about how to best work with them and be with them even after... The vaccine. Hmm. So, yeah, cheers to pods. <laughs>
3: <laughs> cheers. They're getting us through. Cheers.
2: They're getting us through. Ah. Anna Sale, it has been such a joy to work with you on these stories. I have been a fan of death, sex, and money for years. And this is like, this is a high point for me for this year. You know, in spite of this crappy year, I got to collaborate with uh, someone in the biz who I really admire. So, thank you.
3: High point of a crappy year. I'll take it.
2: This is a straight up high point. It probably came out the wrong way. But you you get what I'm saying. I like Like. it. I
3: like it.
2: Thanks again to Anna Sale, my co-host, for this mashup episode of It's Been a Minute and WNYC's Death, Sex, and Money. Listeners, go right now to the podcast feed for Death, Sex, and Money, and you can hear Anna's episode all about pod life, where she talks to couples that are stuck apart, like the opposite of what's going on with this episode. While you're there, check out a bunch of episodes of her show, Death, Sex, and Money. It's real good. This episode was produced by Anjali Sastry and Star McCowan, with help from Katie Bishop over at Death, Sex, and Money. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Listeners, we're back in your feeds on Friday. Till then, be good to yourselves and be good to your pods. I'm Sam Sanders. Thank you for listening. We'll talk soon.